0: Listen, you and I must. It is vital, vital that we develop eyes of faith to see what can be. I hope we'll do that this morning as we return to Deuteronomy chapter 33. We have a lot of visitors this morning. You're joining us already in progress. And by that, I mean four years (laughs) of progress. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll take them and open them to the Old Testament and turn to the Book of Deuteronomy, chapter 33. We've been looking at this chapter, at the blessings of Moses on the people. So when you have Deuteronomy 33, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to hear read together the word of the living God. Deuteronomy chapter chapter 33, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. And now verse 8. About Levi, he said, Your Thummim and Urim belong to the man you favored. You tested him at Massah. You contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and the whole burnt offerings on your altar. Bless all his skills, O Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Smite the loins of those who rise up against him. Strike his foes till they rise no more. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, once again, we are grateful to you for your word. Father, the richness of it. All these years in Deuteronomy, all these weeks in one chapter, and yet, Lord, we don't get to the bottom of the richness and the fullness of your word. So thank you that that's what your word is like. Thank you for teaching us through your word, revealing yourself and your power to us showing it us how it is you'd have us live our lives. We just ask now, Lord, as we are together, family around your word, together with you in the presence of your spirit, do your good work in us, Lord. Continue to change us and mold us and make us into the people that you desire us to be. For Jesus' sake, in whose name we pray, amen. Thank you. Be seated. My prayer is that you don't lose patience with me, which may be a little late for that prayer, when you discover that we are not going to cover the entirety of this blessing on Levi this morning. But listen, I did two blessings last week, right? So I have a credit in my half behalf. We're just going to look at one small part of it, but it's such a vital part that it's really worthy of our time and attention this morning. So if you'll look with me in verse 8, and if you're looking in the NIV, you will see that the tribe of Levi is described there corporately as the man you favored. The ESV translates it as your godly one. The New American Standard translates it as thy godly man. And the New King James Version translates it as your holy one. That's because the word translated here, it means pious, and it denotes the active practice of kindness. It's also a word that's used to describe uh, an attribute of God, and so it's difficult for us to find just one word in English to translate it. But in any case, you, you get the idea of the word, favored one, godly one, holy one, pious one, kind one. And you can imagine how the Levites must feel in this moment in their hearts. And how their faces must beam to hear Moses in all sincerity. Moses himself pronounce this blessing on them. You are the favored one of God. We're not surprised probably by this blessing that Moses gives to the Levites. Because we know the call that God has placed on their lives. He told Moses to set apart the Levites, to bring them to the tent of the meeting, and to offer them there as a wave offering to the Lord, so that they might be ready to do the work of the Lord. This is from numbers eight. In this way, you are to set the Levites apart from the other Israelites, and the Levites will be mine. They are the Israelites who are to be given holy to me. I have taken them as my own. Great calling of God, right? Set apart to serve the Lord. And so given this call, we are primed and we are ready for Moses to give them just such a blessing. Levites, you are the favored ones of God. The blessing is what we expect. But that's only because we don't know their whole story. That's only because we either don't know or we don't go back far enough to the days before Levi's rehabilitation. And when we go back to that place, then we can't believe that this is the blessing that Levi, of all people, should receive. Favored one. When we go back to that place, we are blown away by the goodness and the grace of God. Not only that he would call the Levites. But that he would inspire Moses to bless them in this way. Where we're going to go back. (laughs) You know that. And I hope that by going back that you will be amazed. And I pray that by going back you and I will grow eyes of faith. And that hope will be stirred within us. And anticipation will be stirred within us. And that we will begin to look at what is only to imagine what can be. So we're going back to Genesis chapter 49. We're going back to the blessing, quote unquote, that Jacob gives to all of his sons on his deathbed because it's parallel to this passage in Deuteronomy. Moses is about to die, these are his last words. Jacob was about to die, these were his last words. Now these are the last words that dying Jacob speaks to his son, Levi. Genesis chapter 49, verse 5. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter into their council. Let me not join their assembly, for they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce, their fury, so cruel, I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Now let me read that in the New Living Translation. Simeon and Levi are two of a kind. Their weapons are instruments of violence. May I never join in their meetings. May I never be a party to their plans. For in their anger they murdered men and they crippled oxen just for sport. A curse on their anger for it's fierce. A curse on their wrath for it's cruel. I will scatter them among the descendants of Jacob. I will disperse them throughout all Israel. Harsh words, right? You know, I have five children of my own, and I know words like this don't come easily from a father. A father would prefer not to say such things about his own son. I don't know if the heart of Jacob was grieved because of his son Levi. I don't know if Jacob had given up hope for Levi or if he had looked around for a good military school to send Levi to to straighten him out or a wilderness program. Only they already lived in that wilderness, so that wouldn't work. But I do know that these are the words that Jacob spoke about Levi. Because Jacob looked at Levi and he saw what was true. And he didn't like it. And apparently he did not have eyes of faith to see what could be. And whatever it was that Jacob saw in Levi over his lifetime. Jacob thought that the best situation for his other ten sons is to scatter Levi among them, you know, a, a spoonful of poison, if you take it directly, it might kill you, right? But if you take a spoonful of poison and you put it in a pool and stir it around, maybe it wouldn't hurt you so much. And so Jacob thought it was best to dilute this poison of Levi, not allow the Levites to stay together, to concentrate that cruel anger. And all of that that would cause harm to everyone. So here's what we need to realize. The Spirit of God intended for these verses to be in Scripture. And how glad we should be about that. What a source of encouragement they are to us. Because God places side by side in Genesis 49 and Deuteronomy. What we as humans see and what he sees As God, we put side by side human hopelessness and God's redeeming power. Listen to Psalm 130. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And so we have in Levi a picture of God's powerful ability to redeem, to liberate, to release, to buy back. That's what redemption is. God pays the price to liberate and to release. And so God redeemed Levi. The same Levi that his father cursed Not by starting all over again with a brand new Levi, but by redeeming this Levi. By releasing Levi from the parts of him that have been taken captive and used for evil, now they can be used for the glory of God. What does Psalm 130 say about God's redemption? That it's partial? No, no. It says, with God, redemption is plentiful. How many iniquities, sins, character flaws are redeemed by the Lord? Some of them? No. Psalm 130 says, God will redeem from all his iniquities. From every kind, every kind of sin, we can be redeemed. So... We come to Moses, the Levite. And where do we find Moses? He's sending his flock on the backside of a mountain out in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because Moses, Levi, anger flared up, right? And he struck a man down and he buried that man in the sand. And so he had to flee from Egypt. Apparently palace life. And the privilege of palace life was not enough to redeem Moses Levi ways, though we imagine it would, right? Come on, Moses. What do you have to frustrate you? What do you have to be angry about? You live in the palace. But a palace life and a privileged life is not what redeems Moses the Levite. It can't not. God alone redeems. God alone redeems. That's a great thing to say together, isn't it? Let's say it together. God alone redeems. And so it is the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ that appears to Moses in the burning bush. It's the voice of God who calls to him, Moses, I am the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the one who cursed Levi. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. It is God who redeems Moses the Levite. It is God who sends Moses the Levite to redeem his people. Redemption power resides with the Lord. No one else can redeem. And that's why. We hear the longing in the voice of the one who sings one, Psalm 130. The verses that precede the ones we have already read. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. The longing of the soul for the redemption of the Lord. Redemption comes from no other place but him. But it does come. And it came to Moses. And Moses faithfully led the people out of the slavery of Egypt. And the Levites after him. So Jacob cursed Levi for his fierce anger and his cruel fury. But God can redeem even those intense feelings. God can release that even from sinful motivation and sinful action and turn it into zeal for him. And that's what happened. Here's another story for you. Everybody ready? You good? Ready for another story? This happens not long before this time where Moses and the people are on the plains of Moab. They're, They're still wandering around in the desert. And they camped at Acacia Grove. And while they camped there, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with local Moabite women. And these women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods. And so the Israelites feasted with them and they worshiped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against the people. So the Lord issued this command to Moses. Seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight. So his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges. Each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshiping Baal. So just then, in that moment, an Israelite man brought a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. This is the quintessential fist in the face of God. The rest of you, you can weep and wail all day long. At the entrance to the tent of God's dwelling place. I don't care about God. I don't care about his covenant. I don't care about his rules. I don't care about the devastation that's happening right now. Because we have broken covenant with God. So Moses. And everybody else. Look here. Look here. See I'm taking this Midianite woman into my tent. And I'm going to join with her. Just like we joined in worshiping the gods of Baal. This man, whose name was Zimri, forgot about the fierce anger and the wrath of the Levites. They were redeemed. They were tamed by truth, but that anger was not eliminated. So, Phinehas, a Levite, the son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron the priest, when he saw what Zimri was doing, jumped up. And left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. And Phinehas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped. And then the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all Israel as I had intended to do in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I'm making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. Is this not an amazing story? Kind of weird and scary in a lot of ways. But God redeemed what Jacob rightly saw and cursed, and God used it for his glory and for the good of his people. Levi's zeal, acted out through Phinehas, made the people right with God. Look what it did. Look what it did. It brought glory to God and good to the people. Think about the scattering that Jacob prophesied in his last words. The scattering that, that Jacob thought would be a curse, a punishment, God redeemed it, because now God would have the Levites. Those He redeemed, not concentrated just in one place, but they would be spread throughout all His people, throughout the entire nation. This homeless, landless group. from one end of the nation to the other, they would be points of light. God's chosen priests, His representatives on earth. God. We'll scatter the Levites throughout the entire nation so that the whole nation may be blessed and benefit from their zeal. No longer are the Levites going to wield the sword, but the word of God that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, of spirit, joints, and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The sword of Levi. This blessing on Levi follows immediately after the one on Judah. And we saw that blessing already. Judah is to go first. They're to lead the way in battle. The physical battles that Israel must fight to possess the the promised land. Now comes along Levi. He'll do the same thing spiritually. He will fight with the spiritual sword so that throughout the entire nation, the souls, the people would be protected and their covenant relationship with God secure. John Calvin writes this about these verses. We're always up for a Calvin quote, right? (laughs) Who? maybe not so much. I'll remember that for next week. Calvin writes this, God posted the Levites in all directions like sentinels and through their means purity of doctrine might be fostered amongst the whole people. They were therefore scattered in such a manner as that their punishment might be productive of benefit. And, doubtless, the subsequent grace of their calling should have blotted out the recollection of their previous infamy. That is good news, right? That the grace of God can blot out our previous infamy our sins are nailed to the cross and we bear them no more however notorious our name used to be no matter how infamous we might have been in our sinning God has made us new given us a new name we are new creatures in Christ let me tell you This is the reason that we changed the name of this church. You know, we were on James Island. Hardly any of you were here then. We were called Island Community Church. But when we moved downtown, we changed the name of this church to Redeemer. Now, let me just dispel this little myth. We did not change the name of the church to Redeemer because Tim Keller's church is named Redeemer. (laughs) What? The angels are singing at the mention of the name, <laughs> Tim Keller. That's not why we changed the name. We changed the name because you know what? This is the reality. Everybody needs a redeemer. Every person needs a redeemer. And we have a redeemer in Jesus Christ. And you know the story. His death on the cross redeemed us, paid the price, right? Right? to buy us back for God so that we could be released from the bonds of sin and the certainty of death so that Jesus could restore us and rehabilitate us. He redeems us and that in us, in our past, which was once used for selfish purposes, and we have those things in our lives, we use our gifts for our own purposes We sometimes use the gifts that God has given us, a quick wit, a sharp tongue, maybe a a, a, a pen to write, for destructive purposes, to tear down others. But God redeems those gifts and those qualities and those characteristics for his own glory. And so we can now zealously use what we once used for our own glory. Now we can use it for the glory of the Lord, for the advance of his kingdom and for the good of his people. Things that no one else could see in us. Things that we might not have been able to see in ourselves or imagine could be. God sees completely. God sees completely, completely the redeemed us. While we're in process and God sees the redeemed us. perfectly redeemed in his presence and glory. And what God sees when he looks at the redeemed, you and me, pleases him. It delights him. Because that redemption is the result of the work that he was so zealous to do on our behalf. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government, there shall be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom forever, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. You know why? Because the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. God is zealous to redeem us. 1 Peter 1.18 You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's what redeemed Peter writes. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Right? But God redeems him. Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Reminds us that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Is this good news? Is this good news? Yes. Yeah. So now you know what? You, you and I, we don't need to attempt to be who we are not. It's not the point. Instead, you examine yourself. How? How? Has God wired you? How has God gifted you? What zeal has God placed within you? What passions do you have? Because God can redeem those things, whatever they are, and use them for his glory. God took what was true about Levi. He reclaimed it and he used it for his glory and for the good of his people. So that the Levites became God's favored one. And now that description, that adjective, it's used for us. We are the favored ones of Christ because of the work he has done for us on the cross. Doesn't matter what your past was. Does not matter what your past was. Doesn't even matter what those who are closest to you saw in you. How they would have described you. Sometimes rightly so. All that matters is what God has done for us and how God sees us through Christ. That is all that matters. We are those redeemed by God. And so we need to ask God to give us eyes of faith to look for what can be. We need to ask God to give us a heart of faith that asks, Lord, Lord, how would you have me live this redeemed life? Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you once again for time and in, in your word. And Lord, overwhelm us and amaze us, we pray once again with the reality of your redemption. Lord, you deemed us worthy of rescue. You didn't look and say, ah, the price is too high for people like that. Not worth it. No thanks. No, Lord. You thought it was good and right to redeem us. And at such a cost, Lord Jesus, your own life you gave to redeem us, to buy us back. And so we pray now that through the power of the Spirit, you would continue that work of rehabilitation and restoration in us Lord take those qualities, characteristics that we haven't always used for your glory and for the good of others and, and transform them, redeem them so that they're used for you we need you to do this in us and through us Lord, we can't do it on our own that's the point Redemption comes only from you. So that's why we come to you with longing. And we come waiting. Lord, we wait. We long for you to do your good work in us. Do it now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.